Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hello, uh, it's Christer here. Welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Hope you're all well and enjoying the Christmas period. We're currently coming up to Christmas 2022 and coincidentally we have also just finished our kind of season four, which is our 1993 journey and we're doing our wrap up of the end of the year uh, to, to see what our favourite stuff of, of 1993 was. We've already done our favourite hip hop albums of the year. And we are now releasing a couple of episodes on kind of everything else that we were into at the time. And so this is part one, where we will be going through kind of the bottom half of both of our top ten lists uh, and seeing what albums sort of made it into that area. And then part two is going to come out in a couple of days' time, and it will be the, the top half of both our lists, and therefore the very, very best albums that we thought came out in '93. We did ask all of you listeners to send in your top ten lists as well, so we compare what you thought were the best albums compared to what we're about to talk about. And so thank you so much for everyone who did. That's really appreciated. Anyway, let's get into it. This is, like I say, sort of the, the lower end of our favourite albums of the year. Um, but there's some real crackers in here. I hope you agree with at least some of them. Look out for part two, like I say, in a couple of days' time. And have a brilliant Christmas and New Year. <laughs> Yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen, joined as always by my uh, very good friend, Mr. Chris Greer. Hey, everybody. And this is our end of year wrap up for 1993. Yes, we are uh, basically, we're approaching, in real terms, we're approaching Christmas of 2022. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we obviously want to do a wrap up of something that happened 29 years ago. We're, we're, we're looking that far back. Yeah, yeah. It's the end of season four. We've gone through all of the number one albums. Of that year of 1993, we are at the end part where we are now going to talk about some of our kind of our own favourite bits. And we, yeah, I mean, normally, uh, you know, we, we're quite lucky actually. In, in it, this is tied up with the end of the year, so we're using mm. this as our as our staff Christmas party. Yes. We're actually having some beers. We don't normally drink, which no. you would expect we probably did. Yeah, having... if you listen to us, you'd think they must be shit faced all the time. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 that's no. us sober. Uh, so basically, what we're going to do is we're going to run through our um, top ten albums each, but there's some crossover. So we'll, you know, we're not going to talk it, about the same record twice. Obviously, no, exactly. Yeah, we we, did, we both did a top ten, and then we compared. And it works out there's probably is about 13 or 14 different albums that we'll be going to go through. Yeah. 13 it is. Also, yeah, we reached out on Twitter. Everyone, uh, we were, our original plan was we thought we'd get a few responses and we'd read out uh, readers' top tens. Mm. We got too many. We got loads. You got too many to do. If, if we read them all out, it would be the world's most boring podcast. Yeah. That, um, and you thought, you know, usually this was the world's most boring podcast. Exactly. We're not going for Guinness Book of World Records. Right. Uh, so we, we'll go through. Obviously, this uh, doesn't include hip-hop records that came out in 1993 True. because we did our own top five hip-hop records last episode. So if you uh, want to check out that, 
uh, go ahead. I was mm-hmm. going to attempt to try and work out a master list and say where I'd put the hip hop records. Mm. Uh, I tried; it was too difficult, so I haven't bothered. That's fine. But it don't, yeah, we should point out that that's why there's no hip hop records in this particular selection. It's not just that we're racist; it's that uh, we'd already done it. Wow, we started <laughs> off there. Okay, lovely. That's what we're doing. Um, let's, I guess, let's get into it. No okay. further ado, mm. let's start at the top of right. the list. Well, let's do my my number ten. Yeah, first of all, uh, and it is the Afghan Wigs with their album Gentlemen. Gentle Ben. Gentle Ben. Yeah. Right. If only. And uh, this. Obviously, I kind of had seen the name of the Afghan Wigs about a little bit before this album came out. It was in the, all the press. People were really kind of touting them as very cool. One of those real hip US bands that you should all be checking out. And I was like, interested enough, but I didn't uh, I didn't check them out before I heard the first single Debonair from this. Yeah. Right? That was my first introduction. I only did a couple of bits before that. But Debonair came out and I, I did buy that. And this is what's playing underneath. And I just thought, this is fucking gorgeous. This yeah, is good. It's lovely, it man. is, um, you know, as always, when you talk about the Afghan Wigs, you're talking about a band who are, they, they put out kind of this dark, menacing style of mm-hmm. music, that sort of thing. Uh, it is something that kind of would creep up on you in an alleyway. That's the sort of style they have. And Greg Dooley, the, the singer, he's so raw. And sometimes, you know, you think, should you be saying these things? And I'm like, no, mate, you've gone a bit too far. He's really visceral in some of the stuff, which is part of the appeal. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's absolutely part of what makes the Afghan Wigs the band they are. Yeah, I think less that it would sleep, sneak up on you in a in an alleyway, more would sleaze up to you in a nightclub. Well, yeah, okay, that's very true. Um, yes. You know, there's a kind of uh, unedited sex appeal mm-hmm. in these records, that kind of sleazy end of rock and roll that everyone in Razorlight thought they were doing in the 2000s <laughs> and fucking Jesus worked. Christ. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, it's cool, it's you know, nicotine and regret-laden music, you know. Absolutely there, there's another There's another album in this list a little bit later on that kind of does mm-hmm. similar things, but I, I've always thought the Afghan wigs were cool as fuck. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't the album that I got into the Afghan wigs on, which is probably why it's not on my list. Fair enough. I've, I've heard this album a few times and I, I, I like it a great mm-hmm. deal, uh, but I don't know it well enough for it to make a list in as contentious a year as this is. I think, well, no, that's fair enough. Um, I, mean, I I think it's a fantastic album. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, it's my number 10, so it's not at the, you know, I didn't listen to it over and over in the yeah. same way that I did with some of the other stuff that's on the list later on, but I felt it was deserving of a place on the 10, you know? Sure, I think any opportunity that we can... Uh, have to shout out the Afghan wigs is an mm, opportunity sure. we should fucking take because um, what a great band yeah they really are um, I, I remember as well I don't think it was on this album but uh, on the, the press bit for this one maybe the one after there was just so many articles in the NME and stuff where Greg Dully would turn up and the photo shoot would be him with a black eye yeah because he just got into a fight in a bar the mm-hmm. night before he was still hungover still in his you know his, the stained clothes he fell asleep in mm-hmm. he, you know he's by far not a role model but he's just fucking cool yeah yeah it's one of those. And we did have a few of you guys, whenever you were sending in your lists and your top fives and top tens, uh, this this turned up in a, a couple of them as well. So we had people like Ollie Woodstock. He had them, you know, basically his number one. He said he can't see past Gentlemen by Afghan Wigs. Uh, Daz Greer as well. Uh, no relation to me, as far as I know. As far as you know. But, you know, Daz, if you know different, let me know. Son. Yeah, well, probably not. 
Let's yeah. go probably not. Um, but Daz has the Afghans in his top ten as well. And, you know, good friend of the podcast, Michael Collins, he's got them uh, smack in the middle of that. That's the sort of band I would expect Michael Collins to be in. Oh, yeah, as well. 100%, mate, 100%. Yeah. So good, yeah. good choices there. Yeah, solid choice there for number ten, Krista. Yeah. Uh, my number ten was Monster Magnet Supercharge. Yeah, so this one was in your list as well, it Krista. It was, exactly. I picked this as well. So we where, both, where did you have this one? Number seven? Uh, and number eight, I think. I oh, number eight. Okay, yeah. fair enough. So, yeah, we'll talk about now. I mean, obviously, we've got a whole episode that talks about this because um, we were paid to do it by a listener. Yeah. We can be bought uh, easily. Yeah, cheaply, anybody wants to. Yeah, very yeah. cheaply. Definitely have a think about it. Uh, yeah, I'd say this is the first Monster Magnet album I heard. Not my favourite. It's certainly the one where the gears shift from that really, really psychedelic sound they had on Spine of God into the kind of slightly more bombastic rock and roll. Sure. Um, obviously, I really, really like this record. If you want to hear what we've got to say about it, we've got a whole episode on it. I don't want to kind of labour the point, but I think mm. this is a really, really solid rock album, a great entry into that kind of stoner rock uh, area of the world, throwing back to some of that kind of more 70s, like Zeppelin-based groove. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really like this record. Uh, it's uh, it's a great listen. It still holds up today. It does. And like you say, it, it's a lovely bridge between Spine of God and, say, Dope to Infinity or whatever, where... I think that's where they really hit their stride for me. Oh yeah, that's Infinity for me is you know that's, that's one of, and Power Trip. You know those were, those were the, the the two big ones. But this is me. like a perineum. This is the taint of, yeah, of yeah. Magnet. <laughs> the taint of Magnet. I think that's one of their later albums. <laughs> Fuck me. That's probably a Frank Zappa record. That must be actually. Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is really good, and it's just loads of fun to sit down and enjoy because it's very silly at points it's talking about aliens it's talking about you know the devil and uh, lots and lots of drugs but that doesn't take away the fact from some of the riffs are just killer oh yeah well, fucking riffs for days yeah. man. Riffs that's what Magda do days. that's what they do best absolutely yeah we should have said actually before we are going to be putting a playlist together of one song from each of our choices uh, and so for example I'm putting Debonair from the Afghan Mix Gentlemen on mm-hmm. um, but yeah so uh, on this one you are you've chosen this song that's playing underneath which is Twin Earth Twin Earth Motherfucker yeah indeed um, and because I picked it as well I'm going to pick a different song I'm going to pick Evil and Evil uh, I love uh, that That was my first very 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 first introduction I mean, is this not it. just the songs that we picked for the playlist when we did the episode well we didn't do a playlist for that because it was a bonus oh no you're right we didn't no. uh, these, are, uh, these are songs that would have gone on yes, yeah exactly alright lovely so, so yeah th- we'll put the link to the playlist up somewhere you know mm-hmm. obviously um, but yeah, th- those are our choices for picks of, of uh, Monster and Magnet okay I don't, I don't know who, uh, it wasn't a super popular choice by the reason Darren uh, Hine had it absolutely Darren uh, friend of the show Darren Hine big up Darren yeah, um, no, I expect him to be into a bit of Magnet yeah I don't think I saw it anywhere else did we I don't think so I think I mean, it's very possible that some people who only did us the top 5 maybe it would have been in the top 10 I thought it would be in a couple more. I mean, I'd imagine it's in our friend Sean's fucking top ten because oh, yeah. he was the person that paid us to do the. Yeah, but then he's the, a lazy bastard and didn't send us a list. Well, that is also true. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you listen to this, Sean, I've also messaged you twice about a computer game and you haven't replied. Such a twat. Prick. Anyway, uh, oh, actually, I also owe you some money. I've just remembered. So, uh, hey, uh, yeah, well, are you, you know, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 was that a quick shift back? <laughs> oh, I really was. I forgot. I just I literally just remembered that I need to pay him some money. Um, right. Okay. Um, so that was your number 10. That was my number 10. Right. So my number 9, uh-huh. we're going next, is Pork Soda by Primus. Right. Yeah, hear that bass. Come no, on. Uh, yeah, it's unmistakable. So look, look, right, this is... 
not many people's favourite Primus album. Okay. Uh, it's not my favourite Primus album. Uh-huh. But I'll tell you what this is. This is the Primus album that came out whilst I was at the height of my Primus obsession. Oh, I see, right. I, I, I had a brief Primus obsession. I was going to get a Primus tattoo. Okay. I love Primus. Like, Frizzle Fry, uh, CCG's, fucking love those records so, so much. Yeah, yeah. This record came out, and again, it's just spiky and weird and funny, and it's just this really brilliant, amazingly executed slice of technical excellence, mm-hmm. and it's like a record that shouldn't exist because it's too weird. It is very weird. Uh, yeah, I, I really there's some great songs on this. There's like you know, my name is Mud, which was the the lead single off of it. Of course, yep. Uh, Old Diamondback Sturgeon, uh, Mr. Uh, Nature Boy, uh-huh. uh, like Mr. Frizzle, so Mr. Crinkle. You know, this is DMV, uh, which is a yep. brilliant, brilliant song. It's exactly what you expect from Primus. It's kind of big bass led weird songs and it's just on the cusp of when they started to really prog out a lot okay um, yep and once you get to the kind of the, the next few albums i've started to lose a little bit of interest in problems i, I love them oh, i still, okay. still go and see them live but like you know you go from that moment where this is my band and now it's like oh it's just other people's bands and i still like some of their stuff of course oh absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this and so this was like the kind of the pivot for that for me this is I, I, this album came out I got this on day of release. I listened to, I had the t-shirt. I listened to this oh, God, right. loads. I love this record. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Not on any of our listeners. No, lists. no, this seems to have passed a good few people by. But I suspect had we, you know, in 92, Caesar Cheese would have been on loads of people's lists. Mm-hmm. But no, no, nobody's gone for this one. That's a forgotten yeah. record, but it's Maybe great. So. What, what did you think of this one? You heard it? I mean, I, I didn't hear it at the time at all. Right, right. I, I've only heard this more recently uh, in total. Um, I'd heard the My Name is Mud. Because that was on MTV or Bees and Butthead and that sort of shit. Yeah. But no, I hadn't heard the rest of this at all. It's to me, it sounds like sounds like good fun Primus. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't have because I've not listened to it over and over and over. It doesn't have the same impact as Caesar Cheese. For and example. It, I mean, it, and it doesn't. If you're a, a song person, yeah. It, you know, it doesn't have the same kind of hooks. Yeah. That, it's not got the big sing along ones. Yeah. And, yeah. But sure. there's some great stuff on here. And when when you go and see them live and they break out something from pork cider, it's a good moment. I see. Yeah. Good good right. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's a good choice, mate. That's a good choice. Uh, that was your number nine, was that? So uh, obviously, we've done so far. We've done uh, gentleman, which is your number ten. Yep. We've done um, monster magnet. Monster magnet, which was my number ten. Yep. Uh, we haven't done my number nine because it appears later, later in the list. We've done my number eight. Uh huh. Which was uh, Primus. Primus, and now my number. Uh, seven. Yep. And your number. My number six is is Sepultura. Chaos AD. Oh, what a record, mate. Now, uh, here's where I came from on this one. Mm-hmm. At '93, I was kind of teetering on getting into the heavier, heavier stuff. Yeah. But I was still very much coming out of grunge, and that was my the harder stuff I really was sure. into. Uh, yes, I did like some Pantera stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I liked some of the really. I mean, the Black Album, Metallica, I'm mm-hmm. good with that. But I wasn't anywhere close to knowing much about the, the rest of the genre. Mm-hmm. And when this came out, yeah, I was aware of it. Um, I remember uh, a great review of it in the Melody Maker, and it got me interested. But I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, day one going out and seeking it out. I eventually heard the like the big two songs of it enough in the rock clubs that I was going to that I was like, mm-hmm. actually, this is banging. And went and investigated further, and it's a, it's a terrific album. 
it's different enough from kind of the thrashier stuff which I was a bit scared of maybe mm-hmm. back then it had a groove to it it's, you know the drums on this in this band on this album really you know got me to a different place so I was thinking this isn't just straight ahead metal Sure. And so I really enjoy this stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, look. Uh, I mean, this this for me. I, I mean, uh, within my circle of friends, there were people that had been into, you know, kind of Sepultura from Arise. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, beneath the remains. I'd not really listened to those records at that time. I kind of knew Sepultura as a thrash band. This record came out, blew my fucking mind. It's like riffs, yeah. vocals, and the rhythms. The different. Mm. This is the thing. It's the. It's the. It's the groove in here. It's the pace changes. It's those kind of tribal rhythms that you got in here. The yeah. weird kind of compound rolls that are all over it. Just, you know, it, it's like this is something else. This doesn't sound like what's come before it. You know, because because sure. it, it's not groove metal. It's not Pantera. Yeah. It's not thrash metal. Um, but it, you know, there's all kinds of other elements in here. There's the punk element that's in here as well. You know, from the first time you get that heartbeat at the start of mm-hmm. Refuse Resist, you're oh, like. Sure. With that pulsing, and then you're yeah. in, you know, that compound roll at the start of uh, of territory. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Where he's just fucking rolling all over those toms. Gorgeous. Man. But then you got the like, say, the more punky stuff. Like they've got the cover of The Hunt on here by uh, New Model Army. Oh, of course, yeah. Which is yeah. a song about like vigilante justice, which was just like, I heard this, I was like, fucking mind was blown by it. <laughs> I love that play, that over and over again. Then you got Biotech yeah. is Godzilla. You biotech. Got these big monolithic, just slabs and slabs of big riffs, like big. Big riffs, big rhythm guitar, sure. and then just like the rhythm. As with everything that I really love in rock and metal, the rhythm section is just exceptional. Oh, killer. Holds it apart. Killer. This is the thing, you know, Sepultura went from being a good thrash band to being a band that, had they managed to do another three albums or four albums uh, instead of this and the next one before separating with uh, Max Cavalera, Absolutely, yeah. they, I'm sure, would have gone on to be festival headliners they would have been oh god yeah you know they would have been you know like slipknot kind of level of big that you know like when we went to see cavalier conspiracy at download and they were playing these songs it was just like favorite memories of download yeah man you know in the the car park yeah they had it on a concrete car park yeah people just going over and like landing on their heads (laughs) horrible man but you're right, exactly. We were watching Cavalera Conspiracy, and it was good. But then, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Cavalera Conspiracy were kind of the band that Max Cavalera went into after this and did. Well, I mean, no, it, well, he was he did Soulfly after this, and of then course. and Igor stayed in Sepultura for quite right. a while, and then Igor left Sepultura. They kind of like uh, reconciled with each other, yeah. and they started doing Cavalera Conspiracy. Sure. So, but they were doing most of their own stuff. But then they did. They kind of finished off with a couple of the big Sepultura songs, and the crowd went apeshit. Yeah. Obviously, the crowd just went mental. Yeah, and they went, went obviously went from this into uh, into Roots, which was kind of you know almost like a prototypical new metal album produced by Ross Robinson. Uh-huh. I don't think they ever got better than this record. This Not is, well. This is the, to me, me Sepultura well. distilled. Uh, I love it, man. I love this record. I, I think it's great from start to finish. The fact that it's on, the fact it's only like six on my list or seven on my list. Yeah, whatever, whatever the fuck it is in there is. Um, is just testament to how good this year is for music. Right, sure. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I Also, just in terms of uh, Igor Cavalera being the drummer that he is, mm. I love the fact that, he, you know, this is where you, I know him from, and this is what he did for years and years and years, but he turned up in about five years ago with Soul Wax. Yeah. Uh, he teamed up because they wanted someone who was just a fucking killer drummer. Mm-hmm. They, they toured with three drummers, and he was one of them. Yeah. And you watch some of that stuff, and it's amazing. Dude, dude has got a flair, man. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. I mean, you know, whatever else metal produces, you cannot 
fault the quality of the drummers. Well, there you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so on the playlist, you're going to put in Territory, which Territory. is the one we just heard of. And I'm going to put in Refuse Resist because it's just too good not wow. to. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. They're the two big ones for me. I mean, I yeah, I was very tempted to do The Hunt, to be honest with you, as, well, yeah, a, as right. a slightly uh, lesser heard one. Yeah, uh, sure. But, you know, it's a cover, so I thought, well, maybe not. Fine. All right, so we both had that one in our list, and we had a couple of the listeners as well who, who included it in there. So we have a, a Cliff from the Carolina Brunswick in Brighton, the, the kind of the, the rock pub where Dave does some of his comedy stuff sometimes. Yeah, we love Big Up to Cliff. Yeah, he's got it in. <laughs> his list and Dave Raw Power Roddy of course he's got several Raw Power Raw Power Roddy Raw Power Raw Power Raw Power yeah that just sounds like he's wanked so much his hand hurts Raw Power oh David Roddy why have you got such a Raw Power who's got the drag race Oh. Raw Paws Drag Race. Raw Paws Drag Race. I can't say that without... That sounded like I was going to do like, be doing the voice. Oh, I see. Oh, I'm God, not no. doing that. Well, you should say as well, Dave Raw Paw Roddy, bless you. You know, he's got some crackers in his list, but it does descend into stuff like The Almighty and Poison. I mean, mate, if, if we'd have given so him a top 20, to there'd have been a skin record in there. You know it, but well done, man, for, for getting in it. He also did say that... Because um, Raw Paw Roddy, you know, this is what he does. He's got... He's got Lenny Kravitz, he's got the Almighty, he's got Poison, he's got Anthrax, he's got Sepultura. But he does say that uh, he had a couple of records that he really liked at the time, but he couldn't tell his metal friends, uh, which is Paul Weller and Sting. He's, he, he couldn't uh, admit to it. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd still I'd still hesitate to mention that to anyone now. Too late now, Dave Raw Power it's all over the internet. Raw Power, just for anyone that isn't following. <laughs> We're going to have to have subtitles on this one. Okay, uh, so we, we, we both had that one. Uh, but the next one is one that was just on yours. Yeah, and it's uh, Morphine, Cure for Pain. Well, this is slightly different. I mean, look, this is... You know, funnily enough, I've, I've chosen this song uh, for the playlist because yeah. it's beautiful and I love it. It's yeah. not really representative of what a lot of Morphine sounds like because for me, uh, but a time when everything I was listening to was pretty much really heavy either really heavy or hip-hop yes this just had this fucking low slung call to it this is big dirty bass grooves big uh-huh. bass bass heavy with uh you know, mark sandman um just insanely cool voice L- live in that same kind of territory that smoky kind of whiskey drenched yeah got that same kind of vibe uh as uh, afghan wigs but I mean, I'd probably be less worried about him dating my daughter. No, it's very, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point. It's just the sound of smoky rooms, as I say. It's the sound of regret and whiskey yeah. and endless nights and not learning your lessons, right? Also, more than anything, it makes the sax endlessly cool, this record. Right, sure. There is so much cool saxophone on this record and not some of the sax solos that we've dealt with. Oh, over which the years. I do love, but yeah, we, we will admit they're cheesy. But, mate, this, if you've never heard Morphine and you've got some space in your life for that kind of, like, dirty, sexy kind of... It's not funky. It's just mm. kind of gritty. I, I don't know. I don't really know the best way to describe it, but it's just endlessly, endlessly cool, this record. Would and you say that, that, um, that Cure for Pain, this album, is kind of the, the entry point for people if they haven't heard Morphine? I, I think you can... The thing about Morphine is I think you can enter pretty much anywhere. Okay. I would... I mean, I would say a Yes and Cure for Pain are probably the two, two of the more accessible, yep. easily... I think like swimming is maybe a little more 
a little deeper in cuts. I don't know, but I'm, I, they've got a sound. They do a th- they do yeah, a sure. thing. They do it really, really well. What you're hearing at the minute is them being reflective and sad and moody. Right. Yeah, a lot of the stuff is a lot more kind of upbeat. This, and- this is kind of the the sunrise as opposed to the the dirty nights exactly that right exactly that but yeah i i think this album i I mean i love morphine dearly Uh, i think they're i'm uh, the band yay Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time i never got to see them fully live you didn't get the chance because obviously well i had a ticket and he died that's what it was it was that time they all used to play in a bar in boston uh, and come on, get different singers to come up and do bits and pieces. Yeah. Uh, and when I was in Boston a few years ago, my my cousin uh, Megan took me to see that, and it was fucking glorious. Was it? Yeah. Oh, it's great, man. It was just Brilliant. yeah, different singers coming. Diff- it was like a real jet, like, like different members of changing hands. Just the songs. It was it was yeah. great, you know. Yeah. Just obviously like people that they they knew. They, oh, they sure. were, apparently did it every scene. did it every week, just in this big kind of That's Irish crazy. bar in right. Boston. That's, that's mad, and, but it's the songs that you would you knew and loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant. Uh, no, that's fair enough. We uh, didn't have very many people on the uh, on Twitter and Facebook who included this in their albums. We, the only one that I find was uh, Stephen McDade. He's got it. It was number one. In fact. Nice, big up Stephen. Stephen, yeah. So fair play. Um, just thinking, we've done what's that number? That's the fifth one or so we've done. Let's take a little break and have a look at some other stuff that was going on in 1993 because I have made a list. Of course you have. Of course I have. I have made a list of the top 10 best-selling albums of 1993. Nice. And as you'd expect, mostly terrible. Oh, yeah. Like, just shit awful. Can you hazard a guess at what the, first, the top one is? Hmm. It might have been Meatloaf. It is. It yeah, is I thought meatloaf. it was Meatloaf. It yeah. absolutely is Meatloaf. Yes, number one is Meatloaf. Um, number two is one from the previous year. is R.E.M.'s on Money for the People. Yeah, Which good. came out October 92, good. but was still the second highest-selling album of 1993. Of course, because it, it we've seen it. It's constantly been in the top mm-hmm. ten of the every week. Uh, number three, absolutely so as well. Oh, it's absolutely deservedly so. And the thing is, they were releasing singles obviously right through the, the year as well, so it always got a boost. Yeah, every time. Um, number three is a weird one. Dina Carroll, so close. It was released in the January of nineteen ninety three. Mm-hmm. I never got to number one, which is why we never had to actually listen to it. Good. But it has been constantly top ten the entire time. It just kept selling as well. I mean, and I remember the people that loved this record. Uh-huh. And they weren't people I was hanging out Boring. with. Boring. Fuck. I don't get it, but it is the number three best-selling album of the year. It's it's fair enough. It's because Adele didn't exist yet. Oh, well, that's very true. It needs something to fill the space. Uh, Take That is at number four, even though it only came out in October. Uh, but it was so big so quickly it got to, uh, to number four uh, UB40 Promises and Lies is number five which is just awful let's gloss over that oh uh, well, yeah indeed well and number six Phil Collins both sides <sighs> fucking terrible pairing there that is bad uh, number seven is U2 Zarupa which we did uh, with yeah. Stephen I mean that's, Stephen yeah, that's not a record that sold on Merit really it's a record that sold on uh, Legacy but, uh, I, think it was, I, th- I think it may have showed up in someone's top ten list that we had but I think I think definitely someone else so, Mike Latrell, I think, had it. Right, gotcha. Yes, you're right. Uh, number eight, Mariah Carey's Music Box. Uh, best-selling album. Yeah, well... I bet you that was even higher up in the States. I reckon that was probably number one or sure. two in the States. I, I, bet it, I bet it continued to do well the following year as uh, well. Uh, also true. Number nine, one that only got to... peaked at number three in August of 1993, The Spin Doctors, a pocket full of kryptonite. N- number ninth best-selling album of the year. 
Fucking hell. What the hell's gone on? Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, that's a lot of people that's gone, well, I've bought this one because of this song. I bet it's full of them. It's, it's, it oh, literally is just that not. one song. Yeah. I, I reckon that's the one that went to landfill most. Oh, yeah, indeed. Charity shop full of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of, and, charity shop full, full of, of kryptonite. kryptonite. <laughs> and then the number 10 is Sting with 10 Summoner's Tales, which only got to number two. So therefore, we didn't have to do it in our Fucking in our number run. two is right. Number two. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there you go. That's the top Thank ten. God, we didn't have to do that. Though, having said that, I'd have probably rather done that than the Cliff Richard one. I, I'd have rather done that than the Phil Collins and the UB40 one. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, there you go. It's just a little aside. I thought uh, interesting to see what else was going on. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. by virtue of what this podcast is. We've had to do most of them. We, uh, we really have. But thank God, not all of them. I know. Um, right. Okay. Well, let's move let's, to the next one. This is one that. Uh, it's just on my list. It's not one of yours, and I suspect it just, it just wasn't on your radar at the time. But uh, the breeders with Last Splash, and this is this is fantastic. I I'm so happy that you know we did this roundup because I had almost forgotten how, how good this was. I liked mm. it at the time, but I was such a huge fan of the previous album sure, I that you uh, Pod is you know one of my favorite albums of the '90s. And so I do remember that at the time I was kind of a little bit sniffy about uh, Last mm-hmm. Splash, and also because Cannonball was so everywhere in your face. You I know? mean, yeah. I mean, so it, when when you say I wasn't aware of this album, I totally was because Cannonball was. Oh, yeah, you'd have heard that I, I every week. I, 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 if I was going to a club twice a week, I was hearing it twice a week. Of po- course, possibly more. Yeah, very true. But uh, because uh, I was a, a you know a dickhead back then, and so because of that, I probably went. All right, I'm gonna. And not give this the chance it deserves back then well it's true um, I went back and listening to it for this to see alright is this going to you know, get in there how high is it going to be it is a wonderful album it really is beautiful um, I remember it in my head being a lot more slick than it is mm. I, I kind of thought oh yeah well Pod was the one with Albini he did that production and then they went all you know major label and this sort of stuff and that's not true that's not true that's Cannonball that is just me remembering Cannonball yeah. um, there is so much of the stuff that uh, the song that's playing under us now is Do You Love Me Now the answer came to him is yes I do um, it sounds like this uh, and it's just this lo-fi, scuzzy, dirty, grimy sound but with great songs see I wasn't I wouldn't have been ready for this album right. in 93 because I had my own musical hang-ups and this would yeah. have been... I would have put this in a, a more indie category. Sure. Something more indie than I would listen to. And I probably drew imaginary battle lines in my head based on tribalism. Totally. Yeah, of course. And, you know, as a result, there are albums like this that I've kind of, you know, like, you know, an album that's in neither of our lists this time around that's in quite a lot of the list, listeners' lists. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's certainly an honourable mention for me. It's like Rid of Me by PJ Harvey. Of course, yes. And again, yeah, yeah. that's an album at the time that was a little bit too indie for me. Yep. So I go back to it and, I, you know, I regret those because like, you, you have those opportunities where I could have gone and seen those bands and yeah. understood, you yeah, know. Yeah. But, you know, you you go on your own journey, don't you? And you make your own decisions. Oh, absolutely. And I also imagine that uh, the people you were hanging out with weren't listening to this as well. So it was not like someone was going to go, oh, let's put on the Breeders album. Yeah. And so it, you weren't exposed to it just, you know, by proxy as well. Um, I was, and I, I liked it back then. But I had 
diminished it in my memory to an extent that I was like, oh, well, that might make the top ten. It absolutely makes my top ten. I think this is a great album. Um, they could have made it a really overproduced one if they wanted. They could have gone around that direction, but that's not what they do. And so, yeah, chuffed to bits that I've got uh, back this back in my head. I've been just like singing some of the songs in my head for days now. It's wonderful. And like you say, we did have a few people... Uh, on the listeners who have this in their uh, their their lists, we've got Hugh Davis. Um, he's got a couple other ones that uh, you know we nobody else had. Half Man, Half Biscuit with Liz Len Paul and oh, the man. Falls Infotainment Scan. He's got a couple of like proper right on the edge of indie stuff in there as well. But he's got the uh, the, the Breeders too. Clifford Norton, our good mate Cliff. Uh, he's got. Uh, breeders right in the middle of his as well as things like Mazzy Star and the Swirlies the Swirlies yeah I don't think I've heard of the that's, Swirlies that's, that's, we go, again we're just going proper left field indie uh, and Dorian Rogers has got him in his as well as things like the Auteurs and American Music Club again yeah like Rid of Me as well yep exactly so so definitely some people sharing my love of the Breeders last splash which is nice lovely stuff okay well let's now move on to one that we've both got on our list right yes uh, this is uh, we, we had quite a few requests to cover this album. I know, and I, I kind of regret that we didn't. It would have been a fun one to do. I might spend a little bit of time on it. this now, but um, we've got the Judgment Night soundtrack. Right now, <laughs> come on! If we just act like you've not heard this, you don't know what it is. Judgment Night soundtrack was uh, a soundtrack put together by a record label for what was a pretty inconsequential action movie it was sure. like a Dennis Leary vehicle uh, it's not a very good film it's a like, yeah. you know kind of uh, I've only seen it once that was yeah, enough it's you know it's, it's kind of a straight to video uh, type thing but for some reason they put together this quite innovative soundtrack yep because at the time obviously you've got hip hop happening and you've got alternative music happening mm-hmm. and someone had the idea let's get artists from this world to collaborate with this world and see what comes out and yep. what you ended up with was this what a 10 12 track album uh, it, it went out to a lot of people uh, some people put demos together and didn't finish the album was there a Tool one Tool, Tool and Rage Against the Machine the did one, one. Yep. Uh, it's, you can find a demo version of it on YouTube All right, yep. uh, it's called You Can't Kill the Revolution so you can kill the revolution but you can't kill the revolutionary right um, and it's got some really good moments in it it's a very it's very much a demo form you can lay a Maynard Fine. like kind of scatting his vocals out uh, it's you know it's put, been put together by demos that people have found and pieced oh, okay. together right than, sure. so it's not not intended for listening uh, it would have been a good track right but the thing is this album as a whole as high as it is on both of our lists yep. is a wildly inconsistent album it is but the highs are very high and that's the point yeah. the highs are I would say there are three or four tracks on here that are three or four of my favourite songs <laughs> of the 90s just fucking brilliant yeah yeah um, so you know let, let's start with you know some of the less successful stuff okay okay so you've got Slayer and Ice Tea. yeah which I, is, I don't mind that so much I don't mind it it's they're, it, they're doing a trio of punk covers yes basically so it's not Ice Tea. for me what's unsuccessful about it is it breaks the mould oh In the I see what iced, you mean Ice Tea went on to be a metal singer with body count yeah. had that in his well had that in his repertoire yeah. to whatever degree you think he does that well um, but it wasn't Slayer putting a song down and Ice-T rapping over oh, it see what you mean. Right? Yeah, so that's sure. why for me that is less successful fair enough right yep then you've got Sir Mix-a-Lot 
with mud honey. Yeah, actually, again, I don't mind that. I See, think that's all right. I think it's fine. Uh-huh. But, uh, it, it, but, you know, it's, you know, Sir Mix-a-Lot was a flavour of the month wrapper. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, so it's not... But the, I, I do, I enjoy the mud honey backing on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, prob- I'd say probably the weakest track on there is the Fatal and Therapy track. That's rubbish. I mean, I've, yeah. I've never heard of Fatal before or since. Nope. Not a clue. Um, not a clue. Yeah, it's not a very good track, that one. Um, no. And uh, who was the, what did, did Della Funky Homo Sapien do one with? Oh, I like that one. Who's I, that with? Uh, that's um, Dinosaur Jr. It's oh, a really, yeah. It's I a really see, jammy I, one. I really yeah, like I'm, that I'm one. not a fan of that one. Right. You know, I really like the Del Flow on that one. Yeah. Um, then you've... Me, myself, and my microphone live in colour and... Uh, Run DMC. Run DMC is rubbish. That's terrible. Don't yeah, like that one. That is terrible. Uh, De La Soul and Teenage Fan Club, I do like. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's, no, that, yeah, that's okay. That's a really good one. Uh, no, I really and, like that one. That's a pressure on for me. Okay, and there's two Cypress Hill ones. Yeah, see, and again, I know we disagree on this. I, I prefer the one that was CD-only release, which is the real thing, which is the one with Pearl Jam. Yep. Uh, and then there's the one they did with Sonic Youth, which was I Want to Get High. I Love You, Mary Jane. Oh, no, I Love You, Mary Jane. Yeah. I like them both. I prefer I prefer the real thing. Fair enough. You used but, to cover that in a band. Jesus Christ. Yeah. you were. I suspect you were the only people on the earth who covered that song. Probably. So th- there are a lot of kind of in the middles, a couple of shits, there's a couple in the middles, yeah. but when you get up the other end, like the one we just played was Faith No More and the Booyah Tribe. Yeah, I mean, that's and that is... You know, like that's Mike Patton kind of just taking a step back and going, right, I'm not fucking singing. I'm just do. I'm just putting down this particular, this really distinctive vocal oh, harmony. Oh, yep. Yeah, fucking great. Uh-huh. Fucking no, Gangster Ren from Booyah Tribe just fucking boshing out. You've got those big guitars from both bands, that Billy Gould bass on there. Great riffs. Fucking yep. drum beat on it. It's a really well-structured song. It fucking hangs together. It's Fucking brilliant! It is. is I love it. It's one of my favourite Faith No More songs. Oh wow! There you go. Um, And so that's the one that you uh, put forward to put onto the playlist. I have gone with the the other the flip side of that single, which is the Just Another Victim track with Helmet and House of Pain. Yeah, which is great. Class. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost two songs. That it's it's almost like two songs welded. It's a cut and shut. It really is. And one half of it is better than the other. Sure. Um, with Jordi Foster and Harvey Keitel looks like I'm walking through a living hell. hell yeah but brilliant man the, the, that's Helmet at the top of it and one of my favourite Helmet songs yeah you know, and, and when they it's play right. that live it's fucking wonderful yeah, uh, right. yeah and then right. Biohazard and Onyx they, they, with the title track the best thing that Biohazard ever did <laughs> I, I quite. I mean, I, man, I I saw Biohazard at the at the uh, at the marquee. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Supported by Clawfinger. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, Biohazard and Onyx. What a track that is. So so good. And that's a great pairing. Even if you know you just had someone who didn't really know what was going on pairing these people up. Yeah. If you just looked at the photos of Biohazard and Onyx, you go, oh, there's some angry men. Oh, there's some angry men. These guys all look like they could have met in prison. (laughs) Exactly. Where they'd be part of rival factions. Yeah, it's a great But yeah, what a mosh pit track is. You know, it's kind of quintessential of something that's happening culturally in 1993. No matter how much I go back and I think about that record and I objectively know that quite a bit of it isn't that good. Mm-hmm. None of it stops me loving it. And because it was uh, the first full album that had really been done of that sort of thing, we'd had Randy MC Aerosmith, we'd had uh, Public Enemy Anthrax, but this was this was an entire album of different people doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was almost a novelty thing because it was done for a soundtrack, no problem at all, don't care. But it could not have been more up either of our streets had there been a million focus groups just with you and me, yeah, and they'd said, "What do you want?" and we'd 
we're going, well, can you make this happen? Can you put them over there and them over there? It is. It's it's the most bespoke album for the two Absolutely. of us. And you know, you know, several years of new metal made a fairly strong case that it can be a very bad idea sure. to mix rap and metal. And yeah, I, the the thing is, when you boil both of those genres down to their to their worst, most wrestling elements, yes, you get That's some a great f- phrase. Well done. Fucking terrible, terrible music. Sure, right? You know, you do that. Like for you know, for as much as I have deep, deep love for certain moments of new metal and certain tracks, there is a dirge of shit. Of course, absolute right. Like fucking turntables and guitars and all of this fucking bullshit, right? But it doesn't stop the fact that the people that were really thinking about it at the start and starting to put these things together, you know, Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. Downset, yep. you know, there was some really good, interesting stuff that was produced. Um, and, you know, like now, I, I went to see I went to see Clipping uh, a few weeks oh, ago. Of course, right? yes, yes, yes. And Clipping is just walls of industrial noise with an MC over the top of it, basically, right. if you want to just, if you want to soundbite it down to its... And it is entirely glorious right and and it's most simple it's rock music and rap music fused together in a very unexpected way Mm -hmm. and it's still wonderful so you you, uh, as much as you can yeah you can make and it's if you do it lazily and you do it without imagination or you do it based entirely on the easiest cliches available you're going to produce a bucket of shit Right. right as Limp Bizkit did multiple times yep still got a ticket to see him next year but um (laughs) but if you do it well, you can really find something. And people are very, very dismissive of it, I think, uh, these days. Well, maybe and they've only heard Crazy Town. Well, mate, oh, fuck it. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, come on. Come, my lady. Come, come, come on, my, my lady. lady. Fucking what? You're my butterfly. Sugar baby. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and there was a few people uh, agreed with us uh, in, in the listeners. A thousand albums on Twitter who said he might be bringing the, the accountant back and starting, oh, nice. starting the blog again. Good, good, good. Uh, bring it back next year. He's got a Judgment Night in there. and he's, Bring it back the other way. Uh, Matt Bradley, uh, who gave us a couple of different top fives, sort of like ones he was listening to at the time and then ones in retrospect. But he's got Judgment Night in his five at nice, the time. Nice, but nice. then he also has Def Leppard, uh, David Bowie's Black Tie White Noise, and Spin Doctors. So we can't trust him. We can't. I mean, we can't, we trust, can't him. trust him for Black Tie White Noise. That, that's what discovered. he was listening to at the time. So Matt, you know, it was a very, very bad time for everyone. No, yeah. Um, but also Niall Bakewell from the Zeros podcast. He's given us a top nine, essentially. Number one is Fugazi in on the Kill Taker. Number two is Fugazi in on the Kill Taker. Number three. Four and five are for Gazian and the Killtaker. And then he's put 5B Judgment Night. Nice. I'll tell you, man, fan. like in on the Killtaker yeah. is my uh, most prevalent honourable mention. It was kind of in and out of your it choice. Was, it was in it? the list. Yeah. And I just, truth be told, I had to be honest with myself. I was excluding one record on aesthetic terms. Got, yeah, sure. And I was being like, this is you can't pretend though. Fucking, I love it on the Kill Taker, man. It's mm. a great record, man. I love it. It's brilliant. It's not my favourite Fugazi album. It's a lot of people's favourite Fugazi album. Sure. And there was an album that I put in, and I just went, actually, That's no, I, I, there, I enjoyed that album more, even though it's not as cool. Yeah. So no, there no, you go. There you go. And it was a hard decision. I had to look myself in the eyes, and I had to go. You're not being honest with yourself or your listeners, Dave. And um, Ian McKay would want you to be. Ian McKay would want me yeah, to be. He wouldn't want lies. I mean, he'd be very upset about this beer. That's very true. And all the morphine. Yeah. Um, right, well, look, that's kind of the first seven of the 13 that we're going to go through. So uh, we'll leave it at that. And we'll do part two, which we'll release 
as soon as we can after this yeah, as well. exactly. But uh, that's the first half. The next one is going to be kind of our you know, top fours and top fives, uh, the, the really big ones that made our list. Thank you for joining us. We will see you in the future. Lovely stuff. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.